Welcome back to Ask God 365, where we seek to listen, learn, think, grow together, and look to find answers to life's difficult questions in the Bible. Thank you for being part of the Ask God 365 podcast community. We value you and appreciate greatly the time you are spending with us today. Please share your comments at asgod365.com. There's no question that society is unstable and that there is much going on in this world with war, rumors of war, floods, earthquakes. The question that comes up is, We're going to dive into our topic today. Our question is, what is a societal or civilization collapse? Are we seeing it take place in front of our eyes? Let's look at a little bit of history um, as we uh, get started here. Societal collapse, also known as civilizational collapse, is the fall of a complex human society characterized by the loss of cultural identity, human self-centeredness, lawlessness, lack of biblical values, the downfall of government, and the rise of violence. Possible causes of a societal collapse include natural catastrophe, lack of biblical core values, such as the two great commandments, which we will share a little later, self-centeredness, ego, narcissism, war, pestilence, famine, economic collapse, population decline or overshoot, mass migration, and sabotage by rival civilizations. As humans spread across the globe, human societies flourish and became more dependent on trade. And because urbanization means that people leave sparsely populated rural areas for densely populated neighborhoods, Infectious diseases spread much more easily, and we saw this happen in the 1700s, 1800s, and 1900s with the great movement of Americans from the rural areas to the big cities. Outbreaks of communicable diseases were frequent, and even in the modern era, uh, but medical advances have been able to alleviate their impacts with uh, medical care, antibiotics, antivirals. The human population grew tremendously in the 20th century. In the developed world and increasingly also in the developing world, and people are less likely to fall victim to infectious diseases than ever before. For instance, the advent of antibiotics starting with penicillin in 1928 has resulted in the saving of hundreds of millions of people suffering from bacterial infections. There is no guarantee that this would continue because bacteria are becoming increasingly resistant to antibiotics, and doctors and public health experts have even warned of an uh, incoming antibiotic apocalypse. The World Health Organization also warned in 2019 that the spread of vaccine skepticism has been accompanied by the resurrection of a long-conquered diseases like measles. 
This leads the World Health Organization to name the anti-vaccination movement one of the world's top 10 public health threats. Sadly, this impacts our ability to choose what is best for our bodies, period. The Greek historian Polybius largely blamed the decline of the Hellenistic world on low fertility rates. He asserted that while protracted wars and deadly epidemics were absent, people were generally more interested in show and money and the pleasures of an idle life than in marrying and raising children. Those who had children, according to him, had no more than one or two with the express intention of leaving them well off or bringing them up in extravagant luxury. Around 100 BC, the notion of romantic love started becoming popular in Rome, and in the final years of the Roman Republic, Roman women were well known for divorcing, having extramarital affairs, and being reluctant to bear children. Viewing that as a threat to social and political order, and believing that the Roman upper class was becoming increasingly cosmopolitan and individualistic, Upon the establishment of the Roman Empire, Caesar Augustus introduced legislation designed to increase the birth rate. Men aged 20 to 60 and women aged 20 to 50 were legally obliged to marry, and widowed or divorced individuals within the relevant age range were required to remarry. Exemptions were granted to those who had already had three children, and in the case of freeborn people, and four in the case of freed slaves. For political or bureaucratic office, preference was given to those with at least three legitimate children. Diminished inheritance rights awaited those who failed to reproduce. And in a speech to Roman nobles, he expressed his pressing concern over the low birth rates of the Roman elite. He also said that freed slaves had been granted citizenship and that Roman allies given seats in government to increase the power and prosperity of Rome, but to the original stock was not replacing itself and leaving the task to foreigners. A society generally starts out equal. Its population grows and the cost of labor drops. The wealthy upper class emerges and the life for the working class deteriorates. As inequality grows, the society becomes more unstable with the lower class being miserable and the upper class entangled in infighting. Exacerbating these social turbulence eventually leads to collapse and the shorter cycle lasts for about 50 years and usually consists of two generations, one peaceful and one turbulent. Looking at U.S. history, there have been identified times of serious sociopolitical instability in 1870, 1920, and 1970. It was announced that in 2010 that an anthropologist had predicted that in 2020 the U.S. would witness a period of unrest at least at the same level as 1970 because the first cycle coincides with the turbulent part of the second in around 2020. He also warned that the U.S. was not the only Western nation under strain. 
So what does the Bible say about all this? There are some key Bible verses that we're about to share that show the signs of the times and the end of the age. We're going to jump in right now with Matthew 24, verses 3 through 14. Um, And this is when Jesus was on the Mount of Olives. It says, Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to him, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, and see that you are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my sake, my name's sake. And then many will be offended and will betray one another and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of money, many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. We find in 2 Timothy 3, 1-5, through the Apostle Paul says, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. In Revelation 11, verse 18, the Apostle John saw the nations were angry and your wrath has come, or God's wrath has come. In Luke 21, 25 through 27, Luke says, And there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars, and on the earth distress of nations with perplexity, and the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them from fear, and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming with power and great glory. In Romans 1, verses 20 through 32, we read, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, 
even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind, and to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness, they are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who, knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only to do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. From the book Great Controversy, we read the following. We cannot know how much we owe to Christ for the peace and protection which we enjoy in our society today. It is the restraining power of God that prevents mankind from passing fully under the control of Satan. The disobedient and unthankful have great reason for gratitude for God's mercy and long-suffering in holding the check, in holding in check the cruel, malignant power of the evil one. But when man passes the limits of divine forbearance, that restraint is removed. God does not stand toward the sinner as an executioner of the sentence against transgression, but he leaves the rejectors of his mercy to themselves to reap that which they have sown. Every ray of light rejected, every warning despised or unheeded, every passion indulged, every transgression of the law of God is a seed sown which yields its unfailing harvest. The Spirit of God persistently resisted is at last withdrawn from the sinner and there, then there is left no power to control the evil passions of the soul and no protection from the malice and enmity of Satan. 
the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD is a fearful and solemn warning to all who are trifling with the offers of divine guidance and resisting the pleadings of divine mercy. Never was there given a more decisive testimony to God's hatred of sin and to the certain punishment that will fall upon the guilty. The Savior's prophecy concerning the visitation of judgments upon Jerusalem is to have another fulfillment of which that terrible desolation was but a faint shadow. In the fate of the chosen city, we may behold the doom of a world that has rejected God's mercy and trampled upon his law. Dark are the records of human misery that the earth has witnessed during its long centuries of crime. The heart sickens and the mind grows faint in contemplation. Terrible have been the results of rejecting the authority of heaven. But a scene yet darker presented in the revelations of the future. The records of the past, the long procession of tumults, conflicts, and revolutions, the battle of the warrior with confused noise and garments rolled in blood. What are these in contrast with the terrors of that day when the restraining Spirit of God shall be wholly withdrawn from the wicked, no longer to hold in check the outburst of human passion and satanic wrath? The world will then behold, as never before, the results of Satan's rule. But in that day, as in the time of Jerusalem's destruction, God's people will be delivered, everyone that shall be found written among the living. Christ has declared that he will come the second time to gather his faithful ones to himself. Then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory and he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Then shall they that obey not the gospel be consumed with the spirit of his mouth and be destroyed with the brightness of his coming. Like Israel of old, the wicked destroy themselves. They fall by their iniquity. By a life of sin, they have placed themselves so out of harmony with God. Their natures have become so debased with evil that the manifestation of his glory is to them a consuming fire. Let men beware lest they neglect the lesson conveyed to them in the words of Christ. As he warned his disciples of Jerusalem's destruction, giving them a sign of the approaching ruin, that they might make their escape, so he has warned the world of the day of final destruction and has given them tokens of its approach, that all who will may flee from the wrath to come. Society, friends, is going to implode. Jesus declares, There shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth distress of nations. Luke 21.5, Matthew 24.29, Mark 13.24-26, and Revelation 6.12-17. Those who behold the harbingers of his coming are to know that it is near, 
even at the door. Matthew 24:33. Watch you therefore are his words of admonition. They that heed the warning shall not be left in darkness, that the day should overtake them unawares. But to them that will not watch, the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. 1 Thessalonians 5, 2-5 The world is no more ready to credit the message for this time than were the Jews to receive the Savior's warning concerning Jerusalem. Come when it may, the day of God will come unawares to the ungodly. When life is going on, it's unvarying round. When men are absorbed in pleasure, in business, in traffic, in money-making, when religious leaders are magnifying the world's progress and enlightenment, and the people are lulled in a false security, then, as the midnight thief steals within the unguarded dwelling, so shall sudden destruction come upon the careless and ungodly, and they shall not escape. Sadly, friends, ever since the fall of man in the Garden of Eden, society has been on a downward spiral as it moves away from God and towards self-centeredness, ego, and selfishness. We see this spiral continue in America today. Our founding fathers had a plan, the great American experiment based on the freedom of religious liberty, the freedom of choice, the freedom of enterprise. Sadly, these have been gradually corrupted by societal intrusions that have limited the freedom to choose and created an environment of dependence on others within our society. There is a biblical solution. In Matthew twenty-two thirty-six through 40, the question was asked to Jesus, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Embracing these two commandments after we've accepted the foundational societal principles based on the grace of God, the blood of Jesus Christ, and then by the faith of Jesus working in us and through us, following in the steps of Christ's life of beneficence, the world will see Jesus and the world will see the love of God. Society will be a better place, one person, one family, at a time, that has found salvation at the foot of the cross. May the Lord help each of us to do our part to make this world a better place in Christ for all of society and for all of humanity. Let us be mindful that Jesus is coming soon, And may the Lord help you and keep you is my wish and my prayer. Thank you for listening to Ask God 365, where we seek to find biblical answers for life's difficult questions. May God be with you.